0: Twitter. I'm Saeed Jones. She is the wonderful Alex Berg. We're both queer. Welcome to Friday. You are watching AM to DM. So queer. (laughs) So queer. Well,
1: let me get right into it. Suddenly, Stacey tweeted, me crawling into work after staying up late for Avengers Endgame.
0: Oh, Stacy! Stacy,
1: This oh, is real. Man. I guess apparently a lot of people stay late. A lot late. of
0: people, apparently, because there's a movie theater like near the office and I saw people like in line. I tried to see uh, Avengers Endgame yesterday. I was like, oh, maybe after work, I'll go see it. And it was like the only available times were like 2 o'clock in the morning. It's a three-hour long movie. Like, I can't. Do that, You would barely make it here uh-huh. for work I'm on 33 time. years old. The ship has sailed on those kind of movie choices. I mean, I'm excited to see it. I'm going to try to see it this weekend, but I need to see it in like prime time or something. I don't know. Yeah, Are you excited real. about it? Well, I have to tell you, I haven't Uh-oh.
1: seen any of the Avengers movies. <laughs> How do you? None? So somehow I have evaded yeah, the I was whole like, how do you thing. avoid that? I
0: feel like you swing your arm and you hit like it's a true. superhero movie.
1: Well, I've seen some information online, obviously. Okay. I know there was something to do with a snap. There was some okay. kind of big war. <laughs> you know, like there was voguing falls. There was voguing, I hope. <laughs> but that's about the extent of it. Okay.
0: What Are you, is there a reason you're not interested? Or is it just like, just I haven't gotten around to
1: it? Just, I haven't gotten around to it. Okay. I have like other shows and movies I've prioritized in my life. And eventually, eventually, eventually I'll get there.
0: It's a lot of movies. I I, I think I've act, actually watched almost all of them, except for Captain Marvel, which I still haven't seen for some reason. I, I, I need to see it. But I, 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 I just, I don't Marvel. know. I just kind of got into it, and I don't know. Um, this is the thing I wanted to ask you, too, because this it's obviously Avengers in game. I think people are going to die. It's probably going to be kind of sad. Um, but also, Game of Thrones this weekend, third episode, I feel like it's probably going to, people going to die, people going to be sad. Are you into that as well? I don't not? watch Game of Thrones either.
1: Okay. Yeah. Are you not, is it like, are you... <laughs> I feel so thinking? much judgment. Well, no, I mean, are you not into sci-fi? Like, I am a... into sci-fi. Oh, okay. I just, like, I started watching Game of Thrones a long time okay. ago. Then I, mean, I just got been... lost in the shuffle okay. as I picked up other shows. I feel like there is so much good
0: TV out there. There is a lot of TV. That's, yeah,
1: okay. you kind of have to prioritize what exactly you want to watch. Huh. But the one thing I will say I have to look forward to is I do love a long binge watch. Okay. Like, lock me oh. in my house for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. I'll just watch it. Okay. So hopefully... I'll be able to watch maybe the Avengers movies consecutively at yeah. some point, and Game of Thrones, which would probably take, I, that is an awesome, take a
0: minute. I actually saw this week there was like some movie theater was like doing a marathon of all, and that's to me. I love the movies, but I never <laughs> want to do the, where you can watch much. all of them, and I think if you sat through it, you won like a prize or something. I was like, that just sounds terrible. Well, let's take this to the timeline. Are you more excited about Avengers: Endgame or Game of Thrones? I hate hate to make you choose, but you can I'm choose. Making you choose. Um, for me. I'm excited about Endgame. I think Game of Thrones. I've I've been, like, obsessively thinking, like, who's going to die and what's going to, you know, like, just really, really think about it. And Avengers Endgame, I'm just like, I look forward to seeing it.
1: Well, there you go. I guess get that done this
0: weekend. Get it done. Check those boxes.
1: Well, moving along to some more news. Here's a tweet from our first guest this morning, Jason Kepler. We have reporting inside Twitter that explains why Jack Dorsey hasn't banned the Nazis. Treating white supremacy like ISIS would mean auto-banning some Republican politicians.
0: This story from Motherboard is like the goddamn Rosetta Stone. I just I just feel like, you know, like Jack Dorsey could tweet, like, the weather is 70 degrees and it's nice outside, and we would all be like, get rid of the Nazis. Like, <laughs> what's going on? You know, like, it's such an important part of the Twitter conversation, rightfully so. And so to finally have some kind of insight yes. into what the hell is going on in Twitter, I was like, this is it. This is huge. I yes. screamed when I saw his tweet, actually.
1: I mean, it certainly provides some clarity. Uh-huh. I feel like people have speculated quite a right. bit about yeah, this and, you know, uh-huh. just about... Twitter's perspective uh-huh. on uh, Republicans and mm-hmm. certainly banning, you know, Republican lawmakers mm-hmm. as collateral. So
0: interesting. I was, like, interesting. That, I was like, ain't that some bullshit? Steve King just ruined it for the rest of us. I'm just putting this all on him. That's just, Cosign. Cosign. Yeah, Fair <laughs> enough. Right. Okay. Well, Jason Kepler, editor in chief of Motherboard joins us now. We'll see how he feels about all of this. Jason, good morning.
2: Hey, what's going on?
0: We're good. You know, I got to tell you, this is, I think what, two days in a row, you've got all the Twitter tea and I appreciate <laughs> it.
2: Yeah, just have me on every day.
0: (laughs) You are welcome. We are a Twitter show. Well, so I figured we would start the conversation this way. How did Twitter deal with ISIS? It sounds like it was pretty effective. What went down there?
2: Yeah, so I think that this is very important to talk about because uh, Twitter basically treated ISIS in the same way that it treats child porn and spam, where it it basically takes a super proactive approach and it deletes everything. It's like a scorched earth policy where... You know, anything even suspected of being ISIS was removed. And if you remember, I think it was back in 2014, I mean, ISIS was posting propaganda videos on Twitter. They were posting beheading videos on Twitter. And people were like, what the hell is going on? This is really, really bad. And so society, you know, politicians, basically everyone was like, get these terrorists off of Twitter. And so Twitter did it. Um, They, you know, wrote algorithms that was able to detect ISIS, you know, profile pictures, propaganda, they use this technology known as hashing, which is used with child porn as well, which takes the uh, metadata that's included in a video or a photo. And if someone tries to post that, it automatically bans and deletes them. And uh, yeah, I talked to an expert and they said that they haven't seen a legitimate ISIS account on Twitter that lasts more than 15 seconds for years at this point. Mm.
1: Wow. So you mentioned that this was a scorched earth policy. Right. Um, how did you find out about the auto banning issue now?
2: Yeah. So I want to be very clear. Um, we, Twitter does not have an auto banning policy or an algorithm that detects white supremacy. Um, but like you said, Jack ban the Nazis. is like it's a meme on Twitter. I mean, it's not funny. But at this point, it's like it's taken over every conversation around Twitter um, Jack Dorsey had this interview with Ted last week where they took audience questions and it was like completely overloaded with like Jack ban Nazis. So this has obviously gotten inside Twitter and we learned that employees like why don't we just ban the Nazis? Why don't we just take this same scorched earth policy that we took against ISIS against Twitter? So someone asked that at an all-hands meeting and you know an executive there said well, when we went and you know banned all of ISIS, when we took this proactive approach, there was collateral damage. There were things banned that shouldn't have been banned, but society as a whole accepted that. Um, we're talking about things here, like there were people who were uh, you know reporting ISIS accounts that had ISIS in their username because they were trying to like you know they were there was this thing by the hacking group uh, Anonymous called hashtag op ISIS and they were tagging anyone suspected of being with ISIS. And some of those accounts got banned. Um, Al Jazeera got banned at some point and other Arabic language news broadcasters got banned because they were talking about things related to ISIS. And what that executive said or what that employee said was, you know, society accepted that collateral damage. If we were to take the same approach against white supremacy, you know, the collateral damage would not be acceptable to society. And by that, they mean, you know, Republican politicians would be looped in because algorithms are not like that policy is not and the the algorithms are not sophisticated enough to differentiate between white supremacy and Republican politicians, because in some cases, Republican politicians have tweeted white supremacy. And I mean, this is like, it's a very nuanced thing. But, you know, Twitter does not have an algorithm that can do this. But they're saying the reason that they haven't written one is because of this issue of collateral damage.
0: Yeah. So um, has Twitter, I mean, this is, as we said, it's it's truly fascinating. And you're right, it is nuanced and complicated. And it says so much about culture and language Mm -hmm. and technology. Um, Has Twitter responded uh, to your reporting? Because, I mean, the response on Twitter, everyone was like kind of freaking out when your story went live.
2: Yeah. So to be clear, we sort of laid out to Twitter, you know, what here's what we're going to report, um, and they pushed back and said, you know, quote, this is not an accurate characterization of our policies or enforcement on any level. And what that there's nuance here as well because we're reporting the beliefs of specific employees that work on these issues. This is not an official policy of Twitter. This is you know, what people who work on these moderation teams or these teams that work on algorithm algorithmic issues have sort of talked through and they said, well, if we were to approach the problem in this way, we couldn't do it because there's, you know, this controversy around Twitter being quote, like biased against conservatives. And it's just something that, you know, Republican politicians wouldn't stand for. So they haven't even been able to explore that as an avenue of uh of moderation and what twitter said after we published the article was something to the effect of there is no algorithm that bans all white supremacy the article is inaccurate and i just want to be clear we never said that there was an algorithm that could ban all white supremacy we said that this approach doesn't work and that twitter can't even say that this approach won't work publicly because they won't touch this argument with a ten foot pole because it's so politically divisive it's so It's like, I mean, Jack was meeting with the president the other day and Trump is always tweeting about how Twitter has a quote, anti-conservative bias. So it's just, this is like the reality of the situation. We've talked to external experts who have watched how Twitter went after ISIS, who know how algorithms would work if they were used to go after white supremacists and they agreed it's not even controversial. It's like, of course it's going to have collateral damage and of course people are going to be mad. But Twitter, you know, they haven't really addressed this head on in any public way. Jack, when asked about it, says, you know, we have policies against abuse and hateful conduct. But at the same time, you have companies like Facebook that have said, hey, we are banning white nationalism, we're banning white supremacy, we're banning white separatism. And even if the enforcement is not going to be perfect, they're saying like, our goal is to eradicate this from our platform. Twitter has not said the same.
1: Interesting. Well, uh, certainly a compelling story. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason.
2: Yeah, thank you so much.
1: Well, it's been almost 30 years since Joe Biden questioned Anita Hill at the Clarence Thomas hearing, but he only just called her to apologize. Cheryl Gay Stolberg tweeted, Anita Hill told me yesterday that Joe Biden called her a few weeks ago, but she was left feeling dissatisfied and doesn't feel he has taken full responsibility. She said, I cannot be satisfied by simply saying I'm sorry for what happened to you.
0: Let's see if we could get through this segment without crazy. I am so mad about just the way, I mean, 28 years. I mean, so this is not a new situation, but it makes me so angry okay. to think of the disrespect that Biden has stuck to in, in in his response to Anita Hill and the way he's now doing this. I just I just find it despicable. So uh Buzzfeed News National Reporter Henry Gomez covered Biden's announcement yesterday and joins us now. Good morning, Henry. How are you? All right. So we're doing pretty good, you know, because we ain't Joe and we ain't Biden. Uh, So here's the thing, right? 28 years. This has been an ongoing uh, source of uh, topic. It again, of course, came up during the Kavanaugh hearings. And then Joe Biden waits until seemingly, I guess, last week or the last week uh, to reach out to Anita Hill and have a conversation with her, uh, seemingly pegged to his campaign announcement, which has come under a lot of scrutiny. How has Biden's campaign and his team reacted to the criticism?
3: well the reaction so far hasn't been much i mean what happened yesterday when he rolled out his campaign is the campaign a campaign uh, official i think it was on cnn is where this all started his deputy campaign manager went on and said that he had spoken with anita hill and there weren't a whole lot of details beyond that and then of course the new york times got anita hill on the phone got her version of the conversation where she said she wasn't satisfied with what uh, Biden had said. And the, the campaign hasn't commented more beyond that. And really what this is, is a continuation of sort of the passive response that Biden has had over the last month. He was at a speech about a month ago where he said he wished he could have given Anita Hill the hearing she deserved, which does sort of short sell You were in charge of the hearing. Role. You were in charge we of it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you gave her the hearing. <laughs>
3: Correct. And and so this conversation, the way Anita Hill related it to the New York Times, was similar, that he, you know, he was he, he, he felt bad for what she had endured. Again, that's passive. It wasn't I'm sorry that because of how I ran this hearing, you know you were you know you were treated this way, so she was not impressed with the apology, which means an issue that you probably he probably hoped to have rectified on day one of his campaign is not still out there, still lingering, not closed, and uh, it's you know not the best way it's not the best way to start your campaign when you think you're checking off the box. hey we we've made things right with Anita Hill after all of these years, and it turns out when the New York Times gets her on the phone, she doesn't feel that same way.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, to your point earlier, this is such a frustration for so many of us because he had three decades to really think about how to have have a substantial response with her. Um, Of course, he's also been accused of being uh, too touchy with other women. And Henry, you mentioned that this is not the greatest foot to start out on his campaign. Um, Do you have a sense, is it possible to have a sense that his campaign is kind of going to continue this playbook of just not really addressing this thing head on beyond the information we got about the conversation with Hill?
3: Well, so here's the takeaway I have after covering the run-up to Biden's announcement yesterday, the last few months where he would, you know, do these speeches on college campuses, give some interviews. He doesn't like to apologize. <laughs> he made an offhanded comment a few months ago about how Mike Pence was a decent guy. He got, you know, burned for that on Twitter and then issued a quick apology. And then a few days later... Acted like he didn't have anything to apologize for, and he couldn't understand why it was bad to show some bipartisan friendship. Uh, this happened again with the the unwelcome and uncomfortable touching that women have been reporting over the last uh, few weeks with Biden. Initially, he had this like slow rollout of apologies that sort of you know got more apologetic as the week went on, and then he undid all of that at the end of the week when he was at a union meeting. And he made these jokes about consent on stage, where he said that he had the the union president's permission to hug him and that he got permission from a, a child who was on stage to put his arm around him. And so, really, I think the takeaway is when Biden is forced to apologize, whether it's by his advisors or whether because somebody's finally gotten through to him, that what he's done demands. An apology he doesn't it's not that's not who he is and it 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 leads to these awkward situations and i'm not trying to make light of what happened with Anita hill but um i think what you're seeing is the same thing playing out there he has a hard time admitting that he uh he has a hard time admitting mistakes and it's or it's why we're not totally rectified on that issue on day one of the campaign right um here's the thing um in addition to Anita
0: Hill and, and Lucy Flores and other women mm-hmm. who have spoken up, first of all, women vote. Uh, women are a very important voting block. So I'm a little like, wouldn't you be trying to work harder uh, to kind of, you know, bridge this gap and everything? And you know the only block more important to the Democratic Party than women in general? Black women. So <laughs> what challenges is this going to pose um, in terms of Biden's uh, need to
3: make inroads with African-Americans? Well, it's it's definitely going to be a challenge for him, and and the kind of the thing for Biden where it must be frustrating for him is he ran, he won two terms as vice president to Barack Obama, the nation's first black president, and that may have inoculated him from some of the criticism of his past Senate votes, the Anita Hill hearings when he was running the first time. None of that really was litigated in. 2008 or 2012, at least after Biden himself was a candidate in and, and 2008. Remember, he started that campaign by calling Barack Obama clean and articulate, which was a huge, huge blunder for, for his campaign at the time. But they patched things up. He became his vice president. And we didn't have those discussions as much during the Obama years. But now the political landscape is completely different. We're post-Obama. We're dealing with a new progressive left where issues facing women and people of color are extremely important and at the forefront. And we have other candidates running for president in the Democratic primary who are really emphasizing those issues and have been pointing to areas in which they've been right on those issues for years. And then all of a sudden you have a review of Joe Biden's record, which doesn't look as, you know, pristine or as great when you stack it up. So it is a challenge for him. And he's, you know, Whether he finds a way to properly address that or satisfy people is really going to be the test of his campaign in the early months.
0: So here we are, uh, basically just 24 hours, uh, technically, you know, into the beginning of his campaign for 2020, and there are so many blunders uh, that we're already kind of addressing. It's not a great start. To that point, here's another one. Uh, Jody Jacobson tweeted, Joe Biden's video referenced Heather Heyer uh, in Charlottesville, of course, but did not ask her mom in advance. I guess there hasn't been much reflection on his approach to sensitive issues, and particularly uh, to women involved in them, which... Oof. um and of course Heather Heyer was uh murdered uh tragically and horribly uh during the Unite the Right rally uh in 2017 in Charlottesville. So what has the campaign had to say about this element? I mean we talked about this yesterday but yeah. Charlottesville figured in very heavily and prominently uh in his announcement video.
3: Yeah I mean they haven't said a whole lot about this either. Uh Biden did call um Hire's mother later in the day after this had, had surfaced and did speak with her. Um, I think what both uh, uh, Ms. Bro and, and and Biden are saying here is that like he didn't mention Hire's name in the video, although he referenced her her murder. Um, you know, he did call her later on to explain what he was thinking, what he was feeling. The campaign hasn't said more beyond acknowledging the the telephone call that they had. Um, you know, I think the I look at this more as a broader issue of what he chose to launch his campaign with, and that is the very dark, the very, you know, just... Just the the somber and the and the and to some people, to many people, triggering images of the of the Charlottesville uh, riots. I mean, there was the footage of the uh, the neo Nazis and the white supremacists marching with their torches and 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 doing their chants. And Biden's talking about all of that. And for him, it's the way he frames his case against Donald Trump directly. Uh, you know, criticizing Trump's response to that for him. And to go back to your last question, we're talking about how he's going to to reach uh, uh, black voters. He's I think in this case, trying to show, you know, he is going to stand up for, on issues like that. But it was really, uh, wow. I mean, when we watched that all oh, yesterday morning at 6 or 7 a.m., I think many people were taken aback by just how explicit it was and how far he leaned into that tragedy. Yeah,
0: I, I, was, I was actually
3: quite stunned.
0: Um, well, Henry, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks. Right, um, I have a tweet here I need to read from Rebecca Bizdell it's about you. Uh, she said, <laughs> okay, Alex Berg, I hope you have a permit and background check for those guns. Oh, thank okay, you, thank you. you. Those balls, I
1: have been working out. I feel very seen and affirmed, great. so thank well, you well so is you. much. Is Bis this too. roller derby? It is a
0: little bit roller derby.
1: Yeah, that's how I blow off my steam. That's how I cope with the Joe Biden news cycle.
0: <laughs> it's really Hitting people on roller skates. It's really frustrating. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, man. Well, friends, uh, stick around. Up next, it's going to be fire tweets. <laughs> fire! Fire! Welcome back. Let's get into these fire tweets. The first one comes from Normal, allegedly. <laughs> You tweeted, "If you go to the dentist and don't have any cavities, they start telling you a bunch of bullshit about your gums. Who cares? It's a scam." The dentist is a scam. And listen, dentists, I feel like have had a hard few weeks.
1: Here's the thing: you only actually need to go, I think, once a year. Oh, really? To the dentist? Yeah, they just want your money. Mm. You go in, they say you're like the, the fine. They're like the car
0: mechanics of the
1: car mechanics of mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of, I kind of feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Trash. Yeah, seriously. Next tweet. Oh, I, I don't even know. How I can't even hit the button. I'm out of practice over here. I'm hitting my phone. You're rusty, you're rusty. Ugh, I really am. Marcy tweeted, I love how the white pre- guy presidential campaign strategy is to play up being a regular guy in yeah. every man. Meanwhile, every single female candidate has to prove she's cured cancer, but also to not take credit for any of
0: it. Mm. Now, I know you're going to be talking about that this later this morning. Uh, yeah, it's been really fascinating to see all of this unfold. And it's complicated because I I, I feel like I, I refuse to erase the fact that like Pete Buttigieg is as a gay man, and yeah. the Supreme Court is literally right now debating whether yes, like yes, LGBT indeed. people can be fired for being gay. But we also are not going to pretend like sexism is not informing what's going on and and the way these women are are being framed as candidates. Yeah, it's absolutely. wild.
1: It is really Elizabeth wild. Elizabeth Warren's
0: too smart. It's what? too
1: smart. It's like you just can't win. Like you have you to be extra smart, but if you're too smart, that will apparently turn people off to you. So it's kind of every uh, trait you play to, it's too much or it's too little it's a trap. or it's not enough. The, the, I,
0: I'm like and I'm like just say. I wish you know what it is. I wish people would just say. I don't want a woman to be president. I think that there you would actually go. be Save us way easier. Yeah, You know, just, just say it, because it's clear that's what's going on, but y'all are, you know, you're, you're cowards.
1: Save us the energy of the analysis. Thank you. Just say what you mean.
0: Yeah, trash, trash. <laughs> that's our theme for fire tweets this morning. For okay, real. Okay, <laughs> this next tweet comes from Nick. You tweeted, <laughs> I set my alarms early to make sure I have enough time to lay in bed and be angry about having to wake up. Same. You do this. I set three alarms. They all have different songs.
1: Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't even realize you could set an alarm with the phone. you can,
0: like, sit sit Okay, on. I'm going to have to yeah, try I have, doing like, that. like, the Skylar sisters from
1: Manhattan. Um, oh, uh, I so worked good. by
0: Rihanna and something else. Um, and different messages. It's a whole thing. It's a, a very elaborate system to get me out of bed in the morning.
1: It's like orchestrating your own motivational speech to yeah. get you out of the bed. Yep. It's a process. I can't just hop out of bed. And it works? It, mostly. 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 Okay. <laughs> Madison <laughs> tweeted. Oh, see, I, 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 I am... <laughs> I just cannot get it together. <laughs> I, I'm a joke. Read the name, breathe, push I'm the button. All right, well, here's what Madison tweeted. A real conversation I heard between two grown men at Tires Plus. Man number one, getting ready to pay. Is it a swipey swipe? Man number two, no. It's a chippy chip. Sorry, <laughs> 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 <All right>, snorted.
0: <laughs> you like I that just, one. The thing is... I do find it confusing. I'm like, is it a chip? Or are we doing this? swipe? I feel like it's different at different stores, at different, you know? It's a chip
1: card or a swipe card. Sometimes That's it's both. That's it. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes a swipe is, a de- I don't understand. Help the grown men understand the credit cards. <laughs> That's all I have to say about
0: that. Not all men, not all men, except for me. Okay, Tweet of the Day comes from uh, Taria. You I'm tweeted. ready. <laughs> White men on Tinder need to stop asking me to go hiking. I'm not going to help you find more land to colonize, sir. <laughs> Only. We've had it. Facts We've only. had it. Um, why would you go hiking on a date also? Have you gone just, hiking on it Would you ever do, would you do that sort of thing? Absolutely not. I hate hiking. And I just feel. I, I, and I just complain the entire time I do it. And so the thought of doing it on a date is like, that's not going to.
1: I feel like I would show up in a cute outfit and be like, I'm ready want to want go. Of course. And then I'd have to like teeter up the side of a mountain. <laughs> it's just not for me at all. I feel like,
0: you know, I feel like it's an L.A. thing too. Like that Runyon Canyon. Like, oh, we'll yeah. Meetings. People like, do that. You know they have valet parking at that damn canyon thing now? What? Uh, y'all crazy. That's crazy. I know.
1: That is wild. I well, I will uh, think about that for a little bit, but coming up, <laughs> I'm going to talk with writer Christina Greer about the women of the 2020 election. Ooh, something that we really want to pay more attention Let's to this morning. It. Yes. And later, Syzygy is here, but up next, we are going live from the district.
4: All oh, right, yeah. Stay tuned, America. Syzygy has a special announcement.
1: Welcome back. We're going live from the district of BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter, Emma Loop. Hey, Emma.
0: Hey. Good morning. Okay, so here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News, and I got to tell you, it blew my mind when I saw it. Uh, a Coast Guard lieutenant accused of plotting a white supremacist terror attack on a scale rarely seen in this country will not face terrorism Charges, Emma, when I saw this news yesterday, I was like, OK, listen, 2019, everything's crazy. I get it. I get it. But this is fucking wild. It's wild, like the picture of all the guns and all the everything. What is going on? Why did the judge rule not to pursue terrorism charges here?
5: So the prosecutors haven't charged Christopher Hassan with any sort of terrorism or murder charges and so there doesn't appear to be any sort of legal basis to keep him behind bars. He's only been charged with, you know, drug and firearms offenses. And so and he's got no re- record either. And so the judge is saying, like, look, I've got to release him if you don't charge him with anything more serious. And so that is the core of the issue here. Prosecutors have said they're going to appeal any decision by the judge to let him walk uh, you know, walk out of jail. The judge has said that there would be conditions for his release, such as supervised release, um, you know, in order preventing him from using computers and accessing firearms, that sort of thing. But prosecutors have said they would appeal any decision of that nature.
1: Hmm. I mean, one of the things that was so shocking about this is seeing the images right. of yeah. the guns and
5: it's the weapons. Scary.
1: Yeah, can you take us back for a minute and remind us what he was indicted on in the first place?
5: So, uh, as part of his, his, you know, his charging documents, he was accused of being this white supremacist um, terrorist who was going to plot an attack. He had this hit list that kind of made the rounds on Twitter uh, because there were names of several prominent journalists, Democratic leaders in Washington, etc. And this is someone who resides kind of just on the border of D.C. and Maryland and Silver Spring and had these weapons stockpiled in his home. And so, he was accused of basically plotting an imminent attack against these you know, these Democratic leaders and others who are kind of big names uh, in, in Democratic circles. It's
0: just so scary. I mean, we were just talking about Charlottesville, mm-hmm. for example. Um, here's what I'm trying to understand, and I'm really trying to understand this. what is, What are prosecutors saying about their logic and how they approach the case? To me, this literally seems like Textbook terrorism, like this is it, Exhibit A. So what are they saying about their, I know they're going to appeal, but what are they saying about their decision to approach the case in this way?
5: So when BuzzFeed News contacted them, they didn't respond. And and the only comment that they've given to, you know, City Associated Press is that they will appeal the decision. Uh, They haven't really shed any light on that. Wow.
1: Well, it is a lot. Thank you so much for joining us, Emma. Thanks for having me. And up next, I'll be talking about sexism in the 2020 Democratic primary. <laughs> you race. Tell to move
5: it's this actually going to be the whole show. <laughs> it's just going to be me
1: ranting I hope about the Alexis Grenell tweeted Women running for president are being outpaced by less qualified men, so I don't ever want to hear about the ambition gap again. Christina Greer co wrote an op ed with Grenell in the Daily Beast about why that's happening, and she joins me now. Hey, Christina. Hi there. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, It's only been a couple of months since the primary has really kicked off, or at least it feels that way. I am so tired already. Um, But listen, how are women like Senator Kamala Harris and Senator Elizabeth Warren punished for actually being prepared to take office?
6: Well, if you remember in 2016, you know, when Hillary Clinton was in debates against, you know, arguably one of the most daft Republican candidates in the history of the nation, you know, she was penalized constantly by not just the right-wing media, but by liberal media and everyone else by saying, oh, she's over-prepared and she's too wonky and she knows too much about policy. Um, and it's it was so frustrating for, you know, women who actually take uh, their careers and their professions seriously, but also it's insulting to Americans who actually want to hear from a candidate who's thought about the issues um, in a very substantive way. And we hear this co- quasi coded gendered language about overpreparedness, And we're hearing it now with Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris, of course. And it's just, it reeks of just historical sexism that we still see permeating through our politics today.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that trope about being overprepared, being too smart, being, uh, you know, almost too like school Marmy-esque, which is something that we've heard, um, particularly with Warren. But we've also heard this term likability and likable. And that is a word that I want canceled forever. Uh. Um, Can you talk about how it's a a metric that limits women from succeeding when we're measured as likable or not?
6: Right. Well, whenever that likability factor comes in, women will lose, right? It's this non-tangible that many men and some women use to sort of uh, make a disqualifier about qualified female candidates. And so when we have this amorphous uh, factor that we we put on a candidate, um, people like Warren, people like Harris, people like Gillibrand or Klobuchar will never be able to be as likable as a man, right? We know that the same characteristics that female candidates have are seen as negatives at certain times um, and they're seen as positives for men. So that's really frustrating, especially for, you know, as we said in the piece, for smart girls everywhere where we're constantly told um, you know, well, uh, if, you, if you said it this way or if you did a certain thing, you'd be more likable. And it's like, well, why can't I just actually do the job that you're asking me to do in the same exact way as everyone else um, without a, a penalty, essentially a tax?
1: One, one of the things that uh, you made me think of when you mentioned uh, you know how uh, you know being a woman is seen as a flaw in some ways and men can do the same thing and it's not a flaw was when um, that Vanity Fair profile came out about Beto and yeah. the first line was about how he's not around for his kids and I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, can you even imagine the blowback that um, one of the women would get on the trail if they had said something similar? Um, but to that point in, in thinking about some of these men, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg and Beto O'Rourke are all pulling ahead of Kamala. Harris and Elizabeth Warren. Um, Biden and Sanders, of course, it could be name recognition this early in the race. um, But are these numbers, and especially for Buttigieg and Beto, a reflection of how the media coverage really has an impact on the polls?
6: Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, I call them the B-boys, but definitely, right? How is it that a 37-year-old mayor who got elected with 8,500 votes is all of a sudden a national superstar. I mean, can you imagine if a female candidate um, who represents a town of 100,000 people had the audacity to sort of demand the type of attention that uh, Pete is, Mayor Pete is demanding? But going back to your previous point, I mean, I brought this up during the 2016 election. You know, many voters didn't know that Donald Trump had a 10-year-old son, a 71-year-old candidate with a 10-year-old son. Can you imagine if Hillary Clinton ran for the presidency with a 10-year-old child who no one really knew about and she was 71 years old. The dynamics and the stories from the media would be completely different. You know, could you imagine? I mean, I know women feel this all the time in the workplace. You know, if if women leave the workplace because they have child care issues, they're seen as irresponsible and needing to get themselves organized and get their lives together. When men do it, they're lauded for it and praised and, oh, aren't you a wonderful father because you're taking off work to go check in on your child? I mean, the double standards are just All over and they're rampant, not just in politics, but in our daily lives. And they're so egregious, we oftentimes don't even see um, just how deep the discrepancies are.
5: Yeah.
1: And when it comes to those double standards, sometimes I wonder, how is it that the media is still perpetuating all of these? Um, Have we learned nothing? So what role does the media play in the perception that women are the least electable against Trump?
6: Well, I think we also have to remember, you know, just because we have female journalists doesn't mean that all of them um, have a consciousness that is, you know, is really raising the issue that needs to be on the table. I mean, we see constantly um, just, I think it's intellectual laziness um, by the by a lot of journalists where they're just following these same old tropes and not necessarily challenging some of these constructs. Um, And so, you know, as we mentioned in the piece, you know, Kellyanne Conway and, you know, Chuck Todd, so you have the right and the left, but you also have a female who, you know, is someone who's very uh, outspoken, yet she constantly, she and Sarah Sanders always, you know, saying things that the antithesis of what we need said about women and female candidates. And so I think we need to hold our journalists to a higher standard and really push back when we hear sort of the the same old, same old when it comes to these casual ways that they talk about Elizabeth Warren not being likable or, you know, uh, Kamala Harris possibly being too smart for the job. What does that even mean? It's the presidency of the United States.
1: What does it even mean? I mean, I could talk about this forever. I could scream into the void about this forever. But I really (laughs) appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much, Christina. No problem. Have a great one. And up next, we're heading to the library with Saeed and Syzygy.
0: Hello, my queens. The library is open. It is time for our weekly Drag Race recap with Syzygy. Good morning, my dear. Good morning. Loving your look. Um, Thank you. Now, I hear you have an announcement for us.
4: I do. Well... After a long and tiresome search, I'd like to announce that I am forming an exploratory committee mm. because I am running out of excuses for these queens.
0: <laughs> I mean, this week I just—you know how uh, I feel. I've been meh most of this season, right. uh, except for my queen Ivy, um, Evie. Uh, but which? Whoops. Um, well, <laughs> but child, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about um, the
4: season? Overall, with the season, uh-huh. I like it. In terms of this week's episode, mm. sure. Yeah. Okay.
0: Let's I mean it's it's just like a meh. And yeah. I feel like you know, um, Michelle looks bored. Um yeah. the reading challenge is, yeah. is is to me, like everyone's like excited about the Snatch game. I'm always excited about the reading challenge. Mm-hmm. This was a mess. Unique. These bitches are illiterate. They can't read. You know, reading is fundamental,
4: and (laughs) for some of these girls, they just didn't make it through the K through (laughs) twelve.
0: Does it tell us anything about them that they're so bad at reading? Mm, um, Because it feels like an essential part of being a. Sure. Uh, To a point, I think maybe because
4: you know a lot of girls. These are a lot of like. Some of them are club girls, Mm -hmm. some of them are social media girls, and when you're not exposed to other people to read, what are you going to read
0: about? My goodness. Well, children, let's do a demonstration. Um, I am going to read the name of a Democratic presidential candidate, um, that many to choose from, and Syzygy will read them fulfilled. Are you ready?
4: Well, I've got my library card and my reading glasses on. Let's do it. Okay. you do. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. You know... Hmm. Joe says he's sorry for how he handled the testimony of Anita Hill, and Anita him to change how he handles
0: a lot of stuff. (laughs) I get it. It's a a, a whole, yeah. (laughs) Okay, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, hmm. You know, Saeed,
4: mm-hmm. did you know Senator Warren had her very own Mueller report investigation? Oh. She did. Uh, she released it on Ancestry.com. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, Lori Loughlin called, oh. she wants her storyline back.
5: Ooh,
0: stop, <gasps> stop. Okay, let's keep going, I'm getting okay. my life. Beto. Who? O'Rourke.
4: Oh, oh, that guy. Uh, <laughs> I struggle pronouncing former Congressman O'Rourke's name. Mm. Beto, Beto, be, be, Bet, Bet, Betcha ain't gonna win. <laughs> How about that?
0: I love this. Thank uh you. Pete Buttigieg. Mayor Pete,
4: you know, Mayor Pete's campaign is historic. I haven't seen white gays this mobilized since Miley Cyrus put the Hannah Montana wig back on. <laughs> By the way, Mayor Pete... You should call me because I want to interview your ass. I I would love to. Could you imagine we would have the best time?
0: I would love to see it. You know, well, I probably shouldn't say this on air. I actually have his phone number. You do? Yeah, I'll give it to you.
4: Okay. Well, Mayor Pete, you better expect a text message because, you know, I too have been in many military barracks. (laughs) So... That joke was ruined by the timer. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. But it was a great joke.
0: Okay, let's do some more. Um, Okay. Bernie Sanders.
4: Ah, Bernie. I haven't felt the burn since 2016. There's a cream for that. Oh. (laughs) I really like this. Let's do another one. Let's do one more. Okay,
0: okay. Uh, Sure, why not? Seth Moulton. Who is that? I don't know. No. He... Oh, is that his picture? I, I think so. Oh, is that man. him? Is he? He sure.
4: looks uncertain. Good for you know what? It's good to get him out of the house. Mm-hmm.
0: Good for him. Hmm. He looks like a politician's idea of a handsome person, you know?
4: I mean, look, um, or work is 6'4, so if he's Really? Yeah, that part. I was Wikipedia. Then so what him. the fuck
0: is he always standing on those counters for? You already tall, dude. Anyway, um, this is <laughs> this is an important detail. Reading and throwing shade are not the same thing. Right. Don't believe what the white gays tell you on the timeline. Um, how do you remember the? <laughs> how do you remember the difference between reading and throwing shade?
4: Oh gosh. Well, you know, in in the great film *Paris Is Burning*, mm-hmm. um, Dorian Corey says it the, the best when she says that shade came from reading, and mm-hmm. reading came first. Uh, reading is essentially if a straight person and a person within the community throw insults at each other, mm-hmm. it is merely just hurling offensive language. Right, right. But when it is two people of the same community tribe, mm-hmm. there's an art with it because, yes. I, Dorian Corey said it, and I'm just quoting, mm-hmm. you know. Iconic. <clears throat> I'm a black queen, mm-hmm. you're a black queen. Right. We can't call each other. Like, that's not an insult at that point. So we're going to have to do something different. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. you have to, like, Mm -hmm. fine-tune it and really, like, cut a person down. Now, that's reading, which Mm -hmm. came first. Shade, however, shade is when I don't have to tell you you're ugly. Right. You know you're ugly. Oh, God, I love that. You shaded yourself. So much. So what it shows us, though, Uh is that
0: heterosexuals cannot throw shade. They can't. And they cannot read. Illiterate, I keep telling y'all. Well, to talk about the show for a moment, I guess we have to talk about the boring ass reality TV show called RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, after being in the bottom last week with the Snatch Game with an impressively mm. bad Celine Dion. She didn't even look like Celine Dion. And I love Brooklyn. My God. Yeah. Uh, how did Brooklyn Heights do in the acting challenge this week? What did you think? Wow. Ooh, he is so handsome. Cheyenne. Oh, that Cheyenne Jackson? Remember his sex tape?
4: You know, Maybe. um... As a Christian, first and foremost, <laughs> under God's request, I uh, do not know what you were talking about. However, with Brooklyn Heights uh-huh. on the main challenge, mm-hmm. um, sure, fine, she was great. Next, mm-hmm. it was fine, it was, it was cool. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really pay that too much attention to the maxi challenge. Yeah, I, I didn't really like it anyway.
0: Well, children, of course, it is time to secure your wigs because we need to talk about some spoilers. Some spoilers, Plastic Tiara went home. What did you think of her critiques? How'd you feel about this?
4: (sighs) Plastique, in addition to Soju, have Mm. been a through line for me this entire season. Yeah. Um, What I will say is that on the main stage, Michelle tried to read Plastique when she said that, you know, you dipped into your Vietnamese accent again. And Plastique was like, oh, I'm sorry, during the improv, Mm. I didn't even realize I did that because adrenaline, physical comedy. And she dipped into it. She's like, you know, because that's my real voice. (laughs) And Michelle's like, no, that's not. That's your real voice right there. And you know what, Michelle? Uh, Here's what we're going to say. You do not get to police what any immigrant what any Asian American says that their accent really is. Mm. If that's how they speak English, that's how they speak English. Mm. And you as a white woman can back up. And if you want to fight, cast me on Drag Race. <laughs> I don't, like I don't to want to that. do that, actually. I would fail, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> they would say to lip sync, and I would fall off the stage. <laughs> Y'all want to see Honey Mahogany Part 2? That part.
3: Girl.
0: <laughs> that calf tan. Look. Oh, Look. We grieve. Anyway. All right, R.I.P. Well, Susan G, it's always a pleasure, thank you. Children, the library is now closed. Up next, Alex Burke and I are gonna read more of your tweets. This has been a very queer AM to DM today. It
4: has, we're here, we're queer, and I can't think of
0: another rhyme. Me either. Here, we're queer. We've had it with Joe Biden's bullshit. Indeed. Okay, we wanted to know if you are more excited about Avengers in-game or Game of Thrones this weekend. Either way, white people are probably going to die on TV. Uh, Brianna says, definitely in-game. I do not watch Game of Thrones, although I will say I started with season eight, episode one, because my friend watches, and I cannot wait for the Night King to assume the throne. I'm with you, Brianna. I am also team Night King. I want him to kill everyone.
1: Here's the thing, I, even I the people know. Even the I love. I don't watch, I know there's a Night King, uh, I know there's a mother of some dragons, I know that there's a zombie dragon. (laughs) Okay. I'm basically caught up. That's all you basically need
0: to know. You're in. You're right in.
1: Yeah. Well, we got another tweet about this. Mousy Core added, Game of Thrones just is not my bag, and I have not been excited about an Avengers movie since Civil War, Star Wars, and now.
0: Oh... Yeah, so you like, she Malsy she likes Star Wars? Because I I, Star Wars, I can't. You can't get I into can't Star Wars? I get into it to save my life. Okay, I... I, I, I in fact, I... I like that. a little Star Wars. I actually have Star, I like Wars, a Star Wars Oh. I'm just like, I just don't. I don't know why. I just it's not my thing.
1: Well, we all choose our big yeah. moments to miss. That's fine. Yeah.
0: That's fine. Uh, Kirsten Baptiste shared this story about one of our fire tweets. Oh, the dentist. Dentist. Mm-hmm. Uh, a dentist story. A dentist tried to tell my mom I needed braces when I was eight, and she told them, no, she does not. Her head and her teeth have not caught up to each other yet. She was right.
1: <laughs> oh, that is very,
0: very honest. I mean, yeah, I, I've met you in person. You have beautiful teeth. You're fine. It all turned out
6: okay. You're good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yesterday we asked you to vote on our new Lower Third AM Ooh. to DM t shirt. And you ready to hear it? Mm-hmm. The winner is who isn't running for president?
0: Us. Us. We're the only two. There are 20 people. We're the only two. a T- Democrat. 20 Democrats. Mm, mm. I almost feel like Joe Biden isn't running for president. He <laughs> thinks he is. He thinks he is. But all he does is just like running, running up our nerves or something. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. It just feels like every decision he's made has been like the worst. And it's
1: just decision. 24 hours that this has officially Impressive.
0: been happening. Impressed. Yeah. Well. You can buy uh, this T-shirt, also now available in Kirstie and Baptiste. I knew you were asking about this. You're welcome. You can get it in tank top version now and a V-neck at the link below. You're welcome. You can also buy other AM to DM uh, merchandise. It looks like they had the AM to DM stickers or something. Huh. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter.
1: Um, can I get like an AM to DM culotte type of situation or maybe like some kind of fleece onesie? Okay, you know, I will put, in a- <laughs> <laughs> put,
0: put it put in our cool. Those like gauchos Yeah. Oh.
1: Me like a what little a little spring pant that's <laughs> <laughs> A and D M branded.
0: A special request. Okay.
1: All right. You always keep me on my toes, Alex. I'm glad. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, I'm a little disappointed about something. What? Which is that I thought I would have a chance to meet SZA G today.
4: Okay. Never oh. fear, Alex. Oh. Oh. Uh, oh my I'm god. I'm still on camera. I find it
0: oh. magical I, I reading. I put on. <laughs> They're yours. Thank you. I love them. Oh, they match. They look really good on, I'm you. You, on you. I'm taking these home. Thank you, SZA G. I'm going
1: to wear them for the rest of this show for the next 30 seconds. Yeah, enjoy, it, enjoy it while I <laughs> thank,
0: think you. Think thank you. Thank you, thank you, SZA G. <laughs> thank you, Jason Kepler, Henry Gomez, Emma Loop, and Christina Greer. Your conversation with Christina was
1: wonderful. Oh, she was so good. good. Next week, our guests include Thomas Middleditch, Jenny Slate, Michael Ely, Megan Good, and more.
0: Isaac and I will be back here on Monday at 10 a.m. Friends, it has been a long week. I'm so happy. The weekend. Have a great weekend. You deserve. <laughs> He's got